Athletic. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and welcome back to Season 3 of the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, the podcast that just went from part-time to professional, and it's all because of you. It really is. You remember back in Season 2 when I said I was trying to convince The Athletic to do more gaming coverage? Well, it was your listens, your subscriptions and your reviews that helped me to push it over the line. So from this week, I'll be covering games for The Athletic full-time, so you can expect loads more Football Manager stuff from here on in. Hey, we've got a new producer and producer Steve. We've got a new Twitter account, at Ian underscore games. Ian with two eyes. We've got new features, new competitions, but the same old commitment to demystifying this bastard son of Skynet. And we've got a fantastic community challenge to take us through to the release of Football Manager 2022. More on that later. Well, first, though, it's my profound delight to welcome back Tom Davidson of Sports Interactive. Tom, I haven't seen you since our live event with Alex McLeish. How are you? What a night that was. I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me back on. Um, it's been too long, hasn't it, since we've uh, been in each other's company like this. And, and yet not so long that anyone will have forgotten that uh, over drinks after that event, I said England would go out in the group stage and Scotland would qualify. Yes, yeah, I was going to pick you up on that, but hey, I mean, it, what a tournament it was, and the final might not have been the result we wanted, but I think we can look back with a lot of pride, and I'm very glad that we didn't go out in the in the group stage, because it did, I mean, it did look a bit ropey at one point, it did look like your prediction might might come true. Yeah, I was never never 100% sure, but it, it was fun, um, at least until, you know, the final day and the baddies took over, but enough about that. For anyone who doesn't know Tom, what exactly do you do all day? There's a lot of football manager involved in my days, as you can imagine. Um, so I'm the, I'm the PR manager for Sports Interactive. So handling all of the media requests, inquiries, sorting out like game code and that sort of thing for people who want to review the game or try the game out. There's a lot of uh, involvement in, in, in playing the game as well. Um, talking about the new features, which uh, is, is always a fun time every year. So... My role is essentially to spread the word as much as possible about how good uh, Foot Manager is, as we all know it is. So, I mean, one of the biggest challenges for your, your coders must have been the, the World Cup in Qatar, because that causes all sorts of scheduling issues, doesn't it? Yeah, I think anyone who's who's managed in uh, in the 2022 season um, in the game knows that it's a it's an interesting calendar that you've got to deal with. The season starts earlier, everything's a little bit more front loaded, and then you sort of when you would usually be building up into like that frantic festive period where you're playing a game, it feels like every every few days that it just stops and football takes a break and the international football starts and 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 yeah then you come back weirdly in I think it's either the last week of December or or first week of January when the season restarts so it's an interesting one when you're when you're managing in it and I think for for the people who've who've worked on coding that into the game it's sort of been a case of you know checking what the status is with the tournament every single time they go to update the rules basically and seeing if anything's changed if it's going to be moved again or if it's going to stick in its in its winter slot so I think they're pretty much there now so hopefully they're not going to have to touch it again but yeah it was it's definitely been an interesting one trying to balance all the all the fixture requirements across the various leagues. That's the thing you pay a visit to Sports Interactive you can recognise the coders because they're the ones who are crying in a corner. Um, <laughs> 
And of course, as we speak, it's mid-July, so we are I mean, approaching what is probably the busiest period of, of your year. How, how far down the road on FM22 are you? I mean, who says there's going to be a, an FM22? Um, <laughs> I should get that out of the way first. But if this is a really exciting time for, for, I think, everyone in the studio because we're coming to the end of FM21, like the end of the season, as we would call it for FM21. This is the time when you're looking to say, OK, what do we do well with that game? What would we want to, want to bring in? What would we want to improve? I think for everyone, you know, obviously I'm not... I'm nowhere near clever enough to actually uh, be be a developer on the game, but um, those, those guys are sort of. It's all about design and planning and, and seeing really where they can where they can take things and where where they can sort of visualise their ideas, I guess. And and for us over in uh, over in the comms team, it's a really fun time to sort of be looking at EK. What, what are we going to do over the next 12 months? Where, where can we fit things in? How can we tell our story and, and the story of the game in, in, in the best way possible? So it's a really creative time, which I, I always find um, you know, the most fun to be involved with and, and be a part of. Is this a period where you get inundated with researcher data coming back for, for new squads? It's, do you know what? It's, it's the start of that period because obviously transfers are already happening. The rumour mill is in full flow. So for the research team in particular, it's a very interesting time to sort of monitor the sort of things that are, are more likely than not to happen and, and really uh, keep an eye out for the players that they might have to suddenly find themselves uh, researching for for the next season at least. So, yeah, it's the sort of start of this process. I think the research team's an interesting uh, case study in, in the way that it works across the year. So I think most people would think that we sort of work all the way up to the release of a game on the research side of things, I and mean, then it just stops, and then we make a few minor tweaks here and there. But it really is a, a year-round process where data is constantly being fed in and evaluated and, and reassessed and, and it's it's a constantly moving puzzle and um, it's a really fascinating uh, team that they that that they've got there and obviously a lot of the team are, are based you know outside of the office and you know we have head researchers and assistant researchers across the world so the whole operation is is sort of like just getting into full flow at this time of year. And finally, are you still playing the game or do you get to a point as it reaches the end of its life cycle where you have a little palate cleanser, play a bit of Crusader Kings or something? No, I'm definitely still playing it. So a few weeks ago, for reasons that I won't get into, I started a Dunfermline save and it's been a slog to sort of get them over the line into the Scottish Premiership, but we got there in the end and we're having, I think it's that sort of like... Ipswich had it at the turn of a century. They had they went up and they had this bizarrely successful season where they they finished fifth, I think. And uh, we're having the same thing. I think the players just can't believe they're there, so they've suddenly lifted their game. And I'm sure your second season syndrome will uh, will strike uh, sooner rather than later. But I'm also I think uh, over the next few days going to start uh, a network save with a couple of people from the office, and we're all going to take national teams on. We all got caught up in the in the euphoria of, uh, of the last few weeks. So um, we're going to see if we can do better than the real managers. Nice, nice. Keep us posted on that. That's Tom Davidson from Sports Interactive. Tom, thanks so much for coming on. We're going to get you back in the coming weeks and continually hassle you over a release date. Cannot wait for it. Cannot wait. <laughs> okay, after this, the Community Challenge. 
the Football Manager Show Community Challenge. Welcome back. Now, first things first, you must know by now that this show is an athletic media production. And what's the athletic? Why, it's only the best source of sports media on the internet. It really is. I promise you. I'm, I'm not saying that just because they bought my podcast company. It's George Culkin. It's Amy Lawrence. It's Danny Taylor. It's Ollie Kay. It is, in short, sports journalism worth paying for. But because you listen to this show, you don't have to pay very much. All you need to do is type theathletic.com forward slash gaming into the internet and you can get a subscription for £3.49 a month. That's less than a quid a week. It's incredible value. So that's theathletic.com forward slash gaming. I promise you, you won't regret it. What you will regret is this. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you to vote on Twitter for a community challenge. I offered you all sorts of stuff. A no-badge start, Scottish start, a Premier League start. But you people went and voted for a Sunderland start. Well, the joke's on you, because now you have to do it with me. So what's a community challenge? Well, it's basically a bit of group therapy. Today, we're all going to start as manager of Sunderland. Original database, all English leagues, so that, you know, everyone can play regardless of the power of their laptop. Transfer window open, sort of managerial experience that seems right for this level. So you want, you know, professional national reputation, all your coaching badges. Now, if you have already started, and loads of you have, and you didn't do one of these things or all of these things, uh, don't worry. It's more of a guide than a rule. Every week, we're going to play half a season, all of us, in our own time. So from today, I want you to start the game and then just take it up to December 31st, 2020. And then let me know how it went. Let us all know how it went. You can email me on imacintosh at theathletic.com or reach me on Twitter at Ian underscore games. Remember the two eyes. I want to hear your stories. I want to see your screenshots. I want to feel your misery. We'll review our efforts on the following week's show and then we'll play the next six months and so on and so forth. Every week, more and more people will get sacked, almost certainly including myself, but that's all right because the game rolls on. You keep going. You pop up somewhere else. You write your own story. It's all fine. Now, there's going to be some prizes as soon as I start begging for them. Not for success, more on that in a minute, but, but for entertainment. If you're streaming, I'll link us in so we can watch. If you're blogging, send me a link so I can share it on Twitter. If you don't do any of that, but you can just make us laugh or make us think, send in, you can win a prize. Creativity is the key here, not success, which is handy because, as I say, we are the Sunderland managers. A, a note on that success, by the way, the reason that we're not making this an out-and-out competition for who does best wins once upon a time i ran a football manager competition when i was editing the set pieces and we asked for people to do half a season with i think it was swindon and then send us screenshots and and the winner would get something i can't remember what and someone wrote in and they said they'd won every single match we were absolutely amazed so we you know we had the screenshot but we really wanted to check this out so we we asked him to send his his save game file on a on a we transfer and when we booted it up I don't know if you know this, but there's a bit in game settings where it tells you how many times you saved the game. This guy had saved it 436 times in a desperate bid to win every game. So that's why we're not making it hard and fast about success. But creativity's more fun. Now, never get into anything without knowing what you're getting into. You need local knowledge for something like this. Someone who knows their stuff. And no one knows Sunderland quite like the team at Roker Report, the Sunderland podcast. And so, let's welcome...
Connor Bromley to the show. Connor, how are you? I am well, thanks. Yes, just just getting over the trauma of the Euros and now getting back to the reality of um, League One football for another year. I mean, you know, the thing is, England getting to uh, to a major international final contrasted against Sunderland over the last sort of five or so years. You know, it's kind of a bit of a holiday, really, isn't that? I think that's probably the way to look at it because it really being a Sunderland fan you don't really get to support players like Harry Kane uh, that doesn't happen and to to be in a position whereby where the good team is impressive um I, I enjoy I enjoy that fact but I also sometimes you know miss the sort of the humbleness of being a Sunderland fan and getting excited about signing league 2 players and stuff you know it's a a transition from where we were uh, in the past to where we are now but the England Euros was a nice welcome break but I've got to be honest I am ready for next season because I'm, I'm ready for Sunderland I feel like they're on the cusp of something potentially exciting <laughs> with the new manager <laughs> and owners so they're always on the cusp of something yeah <laughs> uh, it's been a tough few years uh, am I right in thinking that you up until recently worked for the club yeah, so I was brought in during the Netflix era. That's probably the best way for most listeners to to, <laughs> to know what I'm talking about. But yeah, I was brought in when Stuart Donald and Charlie Methvin took charge. So I was the one who was initially doing the podcasts with them. I ended up working there for, for about two years. But then, you know, COVID happens and I was made redundant. But to be honest, that's a, that's a blessing really because working for a football club and supporting the same football club gives you a double whammy of feelings because you've got a professional feeling of oh i hope the win but you've also got that personal and then you've also got everyone in your family asking for inside information so it was actually i would say a blessing to, to no longer work there and have that all-encompassing sunderland um oh, covering my it, whole life as it was for them two years it must be so hard because most people if they have a bad week at work they go to the football and shout at the players but if you do that i'd imagine it's it's gross misconduct yeah ex- exactly it. yeah i couldn't shout at max power for you know, taking a shot from 30 yards in the last minute. And yeah, difficult, oh, but experience. Don't get me started. Don't <laughs> get me started. Now, we, we've got thousands of people playing this FM challenge, all desperately trying to drag Sunderland back to the big time. And when I say Sunderland and big time, I know that, that some cold-hearted listeners are going to snigger, but it is big. I, I used to live in the northeast. I covered countless games at the stadium alight. When it's good, God, it's good, isn't it? If you're not from the northeast. I mean, I've got sort of friends from university who used to liken Sunderland to, say, like a a West Brom or a Stoke City. And that used to offend me greatly because I'm like, no, Sunderland Sunderland are more to me on the level of like Everton, Aston Villa, uh, Newcastle. You know, they're they're a club that's got potential to have 50,000 people going to their games and have done that. I mean, Ian, if you've covered Sunderland, you'll know that the stadium likes 49,000 and it has been when the things are going well it does get full in league one they're getting you know sometimes up to 40,000 people it's a big club and I don't think people realize you know it's a one city club like Liverpool and Everton share a city Manchester United Man City they share a city Birmingham's got like a million clubs London's got a million clubs so to have Sunderland and Newcastle which are and Middlesbrough to an extent that are one club cities but they share there's a crossover between the the the, the areas and it just kind of magnifies how big they are. And, you know, we've got all the attention within the city of Sunderland and all the attention in the city of Newcastle and all the attention in Middlesbrough is just on them clubs and it magnifies what, what's happening there. And it can be quite a, I mean, they say quite a lot, it's like a goldfish bowl up here and that's exactly what it is. And I think that's what makes it more intense, especially when things are going bad as they have been for the last 
well, probably about six or seven years since Sam Allardyce took the England job. It's been really, really bad uh, for Sunderland. But. I was going to say, I feel like there, there was a point where it went wrong, and that point was when Asamoah Jan, who had been playing really, really well in 2010, took a transfer to the Middle East, and that only left you with Darren Bent, who left shortly afterwards for Aston Villa. And, and Sunderland had finished 10th, I mean, albeit 10th after a 3-0 win on the last day of the season. But some of the football that season had been really, really good. And from there on in, it just fell apart, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you're, if you're treating it as a football manager game, you would be questioning the, the transfer decisions from Steve Bruce that summer, losing Asamoah Jean, replaced him with Nicholas Bentner on loan, who wasn't a bad player, but to go from having Bent Jean and Danny Welbeck to then having Nicholas Bentner and Darren Bent, who wasn't particularly happy. I mean, oh, it was just a, a horrible period and it just got worse and worse from there, you know, constantly changing managers. You know, I think it's it's no secret to say that it was constantly just putting out fires, you know, just hiring a new manager to survive. You go the next season, it starts badly, you hire a new manager to survive and it, it went on and on like that. Sam Allardyce was probably the, the answer for Sunderland long term when he got the England job, when Harry Kane was on corners, basically at that 2016 Euros, <laughs> that was the, the nail in the coffin. Roy Hodgson did uh, did something quite dirty that day. And um, from there, it's just got worse and worse and worse. But I think, you know, you've got to be optimistic as a football fan. It's pointless. I mean, if you're a Sunderland fan, and you're just looking at the last sort of 10 years, you, you probably wouldn't watch football again. You, you've got to look ahead. And you've got to try and be, be positive because ultimately, what's the point of being a football fan if you don't have that feeling in the back of your head that, is well we can one day get back to the Premier League and compete at the top end and you know at the minute Sunderland's putting in a plan much like people playing this football manager save will be doing themselves when they're lying in bed at night not able to sleep thinking about their save which is what I normally do when I'm playing football manager they'll be thinking about the plan the plan to to progress here and get the youth going and you know we're going to talk a lot about obviously Sunderland and the facilities and the, the youth squad and stuff but there is on football manager and in real life a, an actual clear path to get Sunderland to the level that they need to be, which is the Premier League. Exactly. And and we start the game in the summer of 2020. If you're playing on the original database, this, I think, is like the, it's the point where the dust starts to settle, isn't it? It feels like a bottom has been reached or, or is certainly going to get reached halfway through the season. So set the scene. Where are Sunderland in 2020? Who's the owner? Who's the manager? And, and who are the better players in the team? Yeah, so 2019-20 season, Sunderland sacked Jack Ross after losing the playoff final and the Checker Trade Trophy final. I would argue in the most horrendous ways to lose finals. One was a penalty shootout and the other was a 96th minute goal. So the club was on a lull heading into the summer of 2019. Jack Ross was sacked, me personally, from being in there. He'd, he'd lost his swagger about him. I, I thought it was the correct decision to sack Jack Ross at the time. But the problem was they replaced him with Phil Parkinson and, you know, without speaking awfully about him because he was he was nice enough as a person, just not not the man who should be leading Sunderland, didn't have the personality for the job. And it was no surprise that his his reign didn't really have a a good ending. So after the 2019-20 season, which obviously ended with COVID, Sunderland missed the playoffs. They lost 3-0, I think, to Bristol Rovers, the last game before the, the pandemic hit. And that ultimately knocked them, I think, from third on points per game down to eighth. So they missed the playoffs that summer. And Phil Parkinson was still the manager heading into 2020, 2021. Stuart Donald was still the chairman, albeit a, 
not very active one, wasn't communicating with the fans like he was, had lost a lot of support, club was up for sale. It was a, a state of turmoil. Phil Parkinson was a manager who I think most thought was just there until takeover happened which actually did happen to be the case when they brought in lee johnson but obviously for this save that's going a little bit too far in the future so start of 20 2021 season sunderland's not in a good place i would say probably in the worst position in their history i don't think that's a an understatement you think sunderland have had one season in the third division prior to their relegation in 2018 so this is their now third season at this level as you're starting this football manager save so Sunderland's a little web fan support you know it's it's waning players and fans not got a good relationship and um, the fans are very keen to get on the backs of the players as they should watching a club that is a Premier League football club playing in League One and struggling to beat sides like Akron and Stanley so yeah it's, it's not a great situation at Sunderland but fortunately playing football manager you know, it's a virtual world and it's probably easier to turn around than what it is in real life. <laughs> I think Mick McCarthy once described uh, turning something around like turning an oil tank around with a paddle. So that's what you're up against. <laughs> if, are there three players in the existing squad that, that you could build a team around? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> are there three players? So for me, when I look at that Sunderland squad, uh, when when you start... The, there are a few players that, that stick out. I think Max Power is one that I know from experience of playing football manager for years. He does progress as you play. You know, Max Power can, if you play him regularly and get, you know, promote. Say you were able to get in the Premier League in three or four years, he can actually play in the Premier League as a bottom end Premier League player if you progress him well enough. So he's a player that's worth keeping around. Um, Denver Hume, young left back. He's a he's a good young player. Um, he will progress well with the club, and and he's a player that you could probably again, and if you were in the Premier League in three or four years' time, expect to still have him in there in that position. Charlie Wyke, you know, everyone knows he scored thirty goals for Sunderland this past season. So immediately you might think, well, we'll, we'll try and build the team around him. My advice would be not to do that because he's, for me, on Football Manager, he's just statistically a a poor player. To be honest, I don't think he's a great player in real life. That's what that's by the by. The other thing to consider as well is is Aidan McGeady um is still at Sunderland. So at this point in real life in that summer of twenty twenty, he was ostracized, not training with the first team. Um, him and Phil Parkinson didn't seem to get along for whatever reason. And he hadn't played, he didn't come back in until roughly November, December of that season. So you do have Aidan McGeady there who you can bring in and I would probably say on the game he, he must be the best if not in the top five of players in league one only issue with Aidan McGeady is of course is that he is older and if you're like me you don't really like to see players over the age of 30 playing for your team it's like a, it's an ageism thing <laughs> but that, that's kind of how it works on football manager you want young players don't you like you, you want to build a squad and, and grow attachments to them players so Aidan McGeady's probably just a, a one season thing but he's more than capable of of getting you into the championship Outside of those players, Jordan Willis is a very, very good centre-back, very quick. Bailey Wright is a very, very good centre-back. You know, I would argue them two are probably championship-level centre-backs. Yeah, goalkeeping area isn't the best. Lee Burge on the games, a, a pretty bog-standard League One player. So, it, it's a squad that you can work with. I don't think it's the end of the world, this team. I think it probably is in the top sort of four squads in League One. 
certainly at the starting point but the issue as well you've got to contend with and when i first started my save with sunderland is that morale at the club is very very low and it, it's hard to kind of turn that round uh, early doors yeah this this is the problem i've had in the in my first game i was three nil up at half time against bristol rovers uh, but they're so mentally weak that as soon as Rovers started having chances, it was like, oh my God, we've got to go 4-5-1 and shut this down or they're going to break. I'm a little concerned about what you say about Denver Hume because I just sold him for 100 grand because I bought Declan John for 30 grand. I have to say that is a really poor bit of business. Declan John also had a loan spell at Sunderland. Oh, really? Yeah, so you've you've he had a loan spell 2019-20. Yeah, but to me, that's a bad bit of business. If I'm a Sunderland fan in your virtual world, um, I'm I'm cursing you a little bit there. Uh, that's a yeah. That's I'm a getting a cold sweat already. <laughs> but if, if I can balance it out, I have bought gigantic Matt Smith because I too felt a little uneasy about um, uh, about Charlie White. So you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, which is probably what my goal difference will be after yeah. two games. <laughs> um, is there anything in the youth academy? Anything in the under twenty threes that we can we can grasp onto? So there's some players that I think are worth given chances. I mean, you, you play a lot of games in League One, and obviously the the way Football Manager has done it this year, you, you they've, they've got the actual schedule, which is really condensed Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So there is merit to looking at the under-23s. Dan Neal might be in your first-team squad. I'm not sure if you will have had him in there, but he's he's a youth product that's that's looks very, very good at Sunderland. Um, he's a player, when I worked there, everyone used to rant and rave about and say that, you know, provided they could keep him and the other one was Bali Mumbai, who ended up moving to Norwich. But provided they keep them too, they would have a pretty solid base in midfield. So Dan Neal is a good one to have. Benji Kimpioga uh, is a striker. He's For me, I've always used him as an impact substitution in that first season. But he does have pace. He is quite tricky. So he could be a useful addition. Anthony Patterson, young goalkeeper. He, he's probably a good second choice. I'm not a big fan of Remy Matthews, uh, who somehow has moved to Crystal Palace this summer. But he he's a... a the poor goalkeeper for me, not not even good enough to play in League One. Lee Burge is a solid, solid enough starter. To have Anthony Patterson there as the number two probably would make sense because Remy Matthews isn't going to be a long-term keeper, so you may as well give that experience to Patterson. The other player there, Mitch Curry, who I think's actually just moved to Inter Miami in real life. He's rated quite well on the game and to be honest, he did really well for Sunderland under 23s this past season. So there is, there is a few players in the under 23s worth looking at. Elliot Embleton. I don't know if he, he probably is in your first team squad, but he's a young player as well. He's a player that you should look to, to sort of feature quite prominently for me because he's got good potential to come forward and potentially be a top level championship player. And, you know, he's got experience play for England youth squads, I think all the way up to under 19s. I think he was part of that England under 19 team that won the World Cup a few years ago. So he's a, definitely a player worth keeping about. I don't know if he's in your first team or your reserves at this point, but I would certainly certainly be given Embleton chances in the first team still in the resis at the moment I like to pick all of my highest earning players first and give them the rope <laughs> um, <laughs> then, then I've got reason to get rid of them Connor thank you so much for coming on I genuinely wish you all the best in the coming season I hope I hope that you have hit rock bottom now and you start to bounce back up um, thank dream. you so much for coming on the show <laughs> no problem thank you that's Connor Bromley from Roker Report. It is a really, really good podcast. Well worth sticking an episode on while you're playing. Get that, that little bit of extra local knowledge. So, how are you getting on? Let's have a look in the mailbag. This is the Football Manager Show from the Athletic Podcast Network.
let's have a look in the mailbag with new producer, producer Steve. Welcome to the show. Hello, thanks very much. It's lovely to have you here. I feel like you might be a bit concerned because this show gets through producers like Spinal Tap, get through drummers, but I want to assure you your position is safe and uh, you're not going to explode. Well, this is what this, the others were told, so I don't really know what to, to do with that. So, uh, <laughs> But anyway, thank you. <laughs> no problem at all. Uh, we've had so many messages, haven't we? I mean, it's been incredible how quickly people are willing to jump on the Sunderland bandwagon i mean to be honest with you when we started this challenge and we looked at the various places i was thinking oh it'd be nice to do like a sterling or an edinburgh or something because of like i don't know if you do this whenever you choose a save game to go for but i also think about oh you know edinburgh's lovely to live in you know it's got great access to open spaces i genuinely think about what life would be like outside of the actual game thing but you know sunderland is also also lovely oh sunderland's sunderland's wonderful the whole area around there like you go cleden village where martin o'neill lived you've got suter lighthouse and the bracing wind and the views there it's a wonderful part of the world it's just a terrible terrible football team and it's like a kind of haunted burial ground nothing good can happen from this i i wanted to do a smaller club as well because once upon a time i can't remember why we did this but we did Baller Town in Wales and, and the club ended up getting in touch and I ended up going to see a game and um, sleeping in the chairman's spare room. It was, it was wonderful. So many things happen when you, you find small clubs, but this is just, this is just a cursed club and, and only misery <laughs> awaits all of us. And how are you getting on? Have you, have you fired up your Sunderland save game at this point? I did. I, I played my first matches last night. I've, I've made what I think is a controversial decision, but it's one, I, it, it's the hill I I will die on. Um, I signed Matt Smith, who's six Ooh. foot seven, uh, heading of 17. But because I'm playing old fashioned 1980s 4-4-2, I thought if you're going to get a target man, get the biggest one in the shop. And uh, Jeremy Strong and Sean to be wild both got in touch and they did the same. So they know they get it. But uh, who did James Fawcett sign though, producer Steve? Now, James Fawcett went to a not dissimilar viewpoint as you in terms of getting a tall tall guy a big man little man possible combo sort of thing but a very very different route and very very different character to matt smith he signed nicholas bentner now of course at this point in 2020 when we start the game nicholas bentner's last club was fc copenhagen and in in non-football manager sphere obviously nicholas bentner was at sunderland during the 11-12 season on loan from arsenal and he got eight goals in that time so if you're looking at promotion push it's not a bad contribution but also did make a bit of mischief in newcastle with lee catamol yes. um which i'll leave listeners to google for any further information well, on absolutely that one. uh in james Fawcett's alternative reality everyone's worrying about where they park their car now <laughs> uh, any, any other interesting transfers yes so we've got dj brown who signed Stephen island wow which is you know and and uh, sean mcbride did the same thing as well so yeah, Stephen Ireland, that could be uh, could be an Aidan McGeady, which obviously hasn't gone down hugely well with some parts of the Sunderland fan base. Uh, different managers had different views on him, but it could be a really canny signing. So, you know, DJ and Sean, do let us know how Stephen Ireland has gone for you guys. Just in general, because obviously already the FN community have cracked on with this. So we've already got some progress. So EFL Matt has uh, already played five, drawn two and lost three. So he doesn't think he'll make the grade. Oh, chin mm. up, Matt. Come on, you can get through this. It's not a bad start. It's not He's a bad not going to get through this. <laughs> none, none of us are getting through this. But, you know, let's, let's, yeah. let's try and boost him. Uh, absolutely, yeah. But, you know, hey, you could have lost all five. Could have lost all five. And now I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, so I apologise in advance. But Shin Smaller 
at this point, so 2020, Sunderland is excited by the prospect of a takeover. No comment on the results that he's had. That might point to how he's getting on. But we should also spare a thought for Brad Tanner, who is immediately under the transfer embargo because of this impending Oof. takeover. Which is just like, if you're boxed in so many ways. Yeah, what the, what the takeover giveth, the takeover taketh away. Take, yeah. I, I, I believe that's the saying. So just a bit more feedback from um, everyone who started. Colin McCracken writes, I lost virtually all of my preseason games and I just about scraped through my two early cup games. Then on the opening day of the League One season proper, the lads did this. The maddest result I've ever had in years of playing the game. It was insane. It was almost unseemly. Because he won his first game 10-2. 10-2? 10-2. That's ridiculous. Which it sounds like from his you know, opening preseason games, etc., was not on the cards. But I think in a way, maybe partly being a sucker for punishment, but also the highs and the lows of Sunderland is partly why the listeners have chosen this one. Well, and I'll tell you what, remember in real life when Newcastle were relegated from the Premier League, I think, was it 2008? Their first preseason friendly was against Leighton Orient and they got done i think 6-1 but then they they roared back into the premier league the following season so i guess there's only so much you can read into it well exactly exactly so but anyway what i would say three points and a really positive goal difference to begin with so fantastic start there for colin so john byrne writes in and he says i really like the idea of doing this challenge and it may seem quite sad but i've already finished the half season already already (laughs) that's not sad john that's incredible commitment and we thank you for it And he continues to say, I was going to create a story slash blog on the FM base website, but as it consists of over 30 fixtures already, he wouldn't expect us to read through all of it. So he's asking if he should just write about a few notable fixtures or leave it with all the sort of 30 short write-up match report things. What do we think? I I think that the best advice here is just do what do what makes you happy if you want to sit there and chronicle every single game you know speaking as someone who's done it many times it can bring the whole experience to life and and if you're someone like me who just really enjoys writing then just go for it and there's certainly so many people on the fm base website who'd, who'd love that kind of thing equally if you want to keep it short and concise and, and maybe just sort of turn it into a standalone thousand word blog that can work brilliantly too um complete freedom go go for what you want to do Exactly. Could not agree more. Also, incredible commitment to from John there. I mean, do let us know as well if anyone else has, I would say, gone further. But at this point, if they have gone further already, they've broken the rules, Ian. Well, exactly. Exactly. I know we said no rules, just guidelines, but, you know, a little bit of discipline. And the guidelines do need to be adhered to. Uh, <laughs> <but> anyway, <laughs> congratulations there, John. Ed DeCruz says, not that you need me to tell you I'm going to start the challenge, but I wanted to drop you an email anyway. Well, thank you, Ed. Which is more just to say how much a fan he is generally of the FM content that we're doing uh, on The Athletic. He's not really one who watches streamers online due to but makes time for our, Ian for your posts online and the podcast. So uh, obviously very happy that we'll be, we'll be back. And he continues to say that your passion slash love slash hatred, <laughs> a real uh, potent concoction there, um, for the game really come out in your work. And as someone who's played it for the past well, two decades now, those mixture of emotions are something he really relates to, which makes it such a joy to take in. Anyway, and he continues to say, I uh, hope the pain of last night isn't too bad this morning. And I'm assuming he wrote this on Monday about something that happened on on Sunday, the yeah. Sunday the eleventh of July, as we're recording, which you know is uh, I don't know, it could be possibly referring to. We're all right, <laughs> uh, uh, Ed. That's such a lovely thing to say, and thank you so much. Another veteran, someone who's been there since the days before they even have real player names. What a journey! What a journey! <laughs> um, have we got time for one more. 
I think we can squeeze one more in and that will be from Robbie Scherer. I've just started listening to the podcast this week and it's fantastic. Thank you very much for creating it. It's been the highlight of my week. I listen to a few episodes each time I walk my dog, of whom I will happily provide a photo alongside my Sunderland Community Challenge story, if you'd like. Uh, I think yes to both of those would be my yeah. personal... Uh, always always at home to dog pics. Absolutely, and dog names as well. What is the dog called? So he's only played the game since last March and has been in love with it ever since. My FM20 say was Ards FC. Wow. Yeah, and FM21 has been Manchester United, which is <laughs> different parts of the football universe, eh? Although he's also very guilty of fleeting fun ideas that lead to many other short-lived saves. I've gotten incredibly lucky in both, which has led to astonishing success in each of my saves, including a Mourinho-esque unbeaten second season in each of those saves. As a result of this, I can't wait to crush my inflated FM ego by failing miserably in this venture <laughs> with Sunderland. Uh, That's the spirit. <laughs> Exactly that. In spite of the fact that one of his spin-off FM ventures was actually winning League One with Akris and Stanley. Nice. Um, so he's got experience there. So he's, he's familiar with this level. But he does have some questions regarding the new community challenge. How would you like the content regarding to save to be shared via Twitter, via email or some other medium? Yeah. All are good. E email is imacintosh at theathletic.com. Twitter is at Ian underscore games. That's Ian with two eyes. Um, but equally, if you're doing anything on Twitch, let us know. If you make videos on YouTube, God, we've seen some really good ones of those over the past two seasons. If you've got anything there, just just send us a link and we'll we'll have a look and, and we'll share it. That's uh, It's all about creativity, this challenge. Love yourself. And that is the mailbag for this week. Excellent. Well, now that we've talked about that football manager game, let's talk about a different football manager game. Let's talk about the Bundesliga. The Football Manager Show Bundesliga Challenge. And now, pushed to the back of the class like the chatterbox schoolboy who interrupts lessons to talk about himself and tells everyone that his grandfather is a warlock and his dog can fly and everyone wants him to shut up so they can finish Great Expectations and get out in the playground. But maybe his grandfather is a warlock and maybe his dog can fly. It's the FM Bundesliga Challenge with Alex Stewart. Hi. Hi, Alex. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. What have you been up to? I, I wish I could fly, Ian. Then I would what? fly away from the FM Bundesliga challenge. <laughs> oh, mate. I tell you what, before we get any further, spoiler alert. So the articles come out on Friday now in this new era, Bundesliga articles every Friday. But that obviously means we have to play it a few days early. So we played the January 2022 month yesterday. So if you want to read the article and you don't want any surprises now, turn off. Just turn off and come back Friday when you've read it. I mean, it is entirely possible you've turned off already after that intro. But now that's all done and my conscience is clear. Oh, mate. <laughs> you know what? You kept saying to me that this, this is unlucky. You know, you're playing well. You're still doing the right thing. But the game does this, doesn't it? It gives you a month where without any massive differences, with no real tactical shakeups, I had a few absences and so on. It just kicks you. And then when you're on the floor, it kicks you again and again. And it, it, was, it was one of those months. To bring everyone up to speed, and particularly if you're a new listener, Alex and I took over Schalke and Stuttgart way back in January. Uh, Stuttgart newly promoted, loads of great young players, but, you know, still kind of weak for that level. And Schalke, I mean, just a dumpster fire with a football kit pulled over it and in the first season I came seventh and Alex where did you come I think it was 14th 
four teams. So it was a big rebuilding process. There were about three times when we both thought we were going to get fired. But we got through that. In the new season, I've actually led the Bundesliga for quite a long way, and I'm second behind Bayern now. And Alex, when we started, was in fourth. Mm. So it was really going well. And after the winter break, our first fixture was against each other. And... Alex, I'm really sorry. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it was it was deserved. Was it deserved? I don't know. I, w- I want to kind of go to the XG and say, no, it wasn't really that deserved. But no, I, like, you you know, you've consistently built a, a good, strong side. You've got a clear tactical identity. Sir Serdar decided to have the game of his life against me, which was difficult to deal with. And <laughs> he's never done that before. He's never done that before. And, and and I have to say as well, you are coping with, you know, various absences and so on. So like I have nothing but respect for your endeavours. I just needed some time to process what had happened. Yeah, you, you lost all three games in January. And it was, just in case anyone thinks Alex is is sort of doing the typical football manager, the world's against me thing. Our game, he had better XG and I won 3-1. The following game, all right, probably marginally outplayed, but not so much. He deserved a 3-0. And, and what was the last one? The last one was a 3-2. So in the 3-0, I had two players injured after about 20 minutes. <laughs> Couldn't make any further substitutions after 50 and then, yeah, against Eintracht, we pulled it back to 2-2. And then, you know, they, they burst through and, and scored on the counter. But again, I think we had the better chances. So it, it was just, you, you see those games, don't you, where someone gets FM'd, it's become a thing. And, you know, you have the bulk of possession, better chances, blah, 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 you still lose. To have three of those, well, definitely two of those in one month. And, and also to come up against a good Borussia Mönchengladbach side and lose key players to injury early on it's harsh what do you what do you do now do you do you go away and come up with something new the something different from your your sort of aggressive 424 or is it just a case of trusting in the numbers and knowing your regress to being all right again i think the temptation is always to do the former and the wise move is probably to do the latter so concentrate a little bit more on training maybe get a team meeting together and try and pep everyone up that the the knee-jerk reaction of this isn't working therefore i have to change it was something that i definitely suffered from in the first season where i i changed my starting formation about five times i think if a thing is working well there are always going to be months where like you say you underperform and then you should regress to the mean in some sort of way. I'll have a look at the fixtures. Maybe I'm being a little bit too attacking. I'm also trying to integrate a new deep-lying playmaker. Maybe I've done that too quickly. I also just think that, again, and I was saying to this this to you when we were doing it at the time, like, this is a really young squad. You know, my oldest player is Ricardo Rodriguez, who's 29, the rest of them are all in their early 20s. So I think mentality and morale, sometimes it heaps misery upon misery. You get a bad result, then another one, then the heads start to drop. There aren't necessarily many leaders in the squad. So again, that's something that I might have to consider. 
Now, if you want more of this feel-good stuff, <laughs> you, want to, <laughs> you want to keep up with the FM Bundesliga Challenge, you know where to find it. It's on The Athletic. Uh, new episodes every Friday in this new way of life in which I seem to be playing video games for a living. Um, I'm going to find a way of threading them all together as well. So if you're, you're new to this, it, it will all link up and, and, and sort of make, make sense. And, and you know how to get an Athletic subscription right you you just say you you go onto the internet and you type www if that's still a thing theathletic.com forward slash gaming and you can get it for just three pound 49 which is unbelievable value alex thank you you've got a few days to get your head together and then we'll we'll see each other next week yes i will be licking my wounds and doing my planning and hopefully i will come back stronger that's the spirit that's alex stewart he's off the tifo And that was the first episode of the third season of the Football Manager Show. Good luck with Sunderland. You can reach me on iMacintosh at theathletic.com or at Ian underscore games on Twitter. Your guests today were Tom Davidson from Sports Interactive, Connor Bromley from the Brilliant Roker Report and Alex Stewart off the TIFO. Making his debut today was producer Steve Hankey and I remain Ian Macintosh. Athletic.